Well, ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon to you from a beautiful New York, uh, Long Island. It's a wonderful sunny day here. And we're very fortunate to have a uh, remarkable uh, person here, Mr. Mitchell Morrison from sunny California. I've had a privilege of knowing Mitch uh, for almost five years now. Time flies incredibly fast as we all can attest to. And uh, in just one life, Mitch seems to have lived, you know, dozens and dozens of very accomplished, very successful lives. He is an entrepreneur, a businessman. He spent decades in the financial services in different capacities. He's very intimately familiar with multitude of different lines of business. And currently he is a CEO of Eyeballs. He's also authored and published several very successful books. So Mr. Morrison, welcome to the channel. Thank you, Gene. It's great to be here with you, especially the fact that you are one of the most patriotic men I've met uh, <laughs> along the way in my career. And I thank you for it, for being a, a great American. Thank you, you're, you're very kind, Mitch. And, and again, coming from you, it means the world to, to me. And I truly appreciate the comment. I, I do it indeed. Um, you know, anyone who knows me longer than, you know, a few minutes knows that, uh, you know, I come from Ukraine. That's where I grew up. And just coming from the environment where, again, you grew up uh, in a communist country, and seeing again, you know, the things that the communism has been bringing over, you know, from imprisonments, you know, to physical destruction of millions and millions of people, it definitely gives you a completely different understanding of the, of the beauty and the greatness of, of, of the United States. And God bless America every day, you know, I wake up with the same thought and every night I go to sleep, you know, uh, you know, the same thought crosses my mind and I'm thanking God multiple times uh, through the day of, of being a citizen, a happy and a very proud citizen of the United States of America. And I do appreciate, again, your comment, but more importantly, we'll speak about it later on in this interview, Mitch. Uh, we'll, we'll speak about your books and what you as a good citizen have been doing to, to support you know, the constitution of the United States. So, but again, welcome, welcome to the channel. I, I'm truly excited. I, I know you have super uh, business schedule as usually, you know, flying between the uh, between the the, the, the West Coast, uh, the East Coast, you know, and going on overseas trips as part of your business. And uh, again, I, I'm glad and happy to have you here. So please, why don't you share with the audience, you know, some um, highlights of how you got in the business and the things that you have done, and then we'll just take it from there. Well, I, I got out of the, I got into the business. Um, because I was attracted to the moving parts of financial services that were seemed very fascinating to me because it touches so many people's lives, whether you're uh, someone who works with the financial services or in the financial services, or you're just a, a person uh, from a hometown, small town, big city, doesn't matter because finances in America is very important. I was, uh, when I graduated from college, I went into the FBI. I felt that the FBI was my way of kind of serving the country. I did not uh, go to Vietnam. It was pretty much winding down when when I would have been um, drafted or, or at least called. So uh, I decided to go into the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And I learned a lot about um, certain things, you know, and wanted to um, do something for me, although my career was pretty exciting and the 
Federal Bureau of Investigation because as you know, I work for counterintelligence and I was I in do, I do indeed. Yeah, you shared and I was following a lot of your uh <laughs> Ukrainians and uh you know Russians and uh folks from the Eastern Europe, yeah, the former Soviet Union. Yeah, it's fascinating from, how years and decades later our paths you know would cross here in the United States. But see, the friendliest were the Ukraines and the meanest were the East Germans. So the East Germans weren't too... Aber natürlich, my lieber Freund. I completely, <laughs> completely agree <Yeah>. with that. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yes, and uh, I went to work for uh, a major firm, E.F. Hutton, and uh, learned about... Um, That's a legendary name. I mean, anyone who knows anything about the business, and uh, and I've been in business for 24 years now, and actually one of my, uh, you know, trainers, coaches, and mentors uh, at Prudential Securities, that's why he got started, E.F. Hutton, and obviously it was a legendary, uh, you know, institution uh, that, that produced many, many outstanding financial advisors and people uh, involved in the financial services over years and decades, yeah. Yes, it was very innovative. And in fact, Hutton really invented the outside money management platform. Yeah. Uh, so prior to that, you know, you were as an advisor trying to juggle your career in getting new clients and prospecting and learning about certain investments. And, and at the same time, you now have to be the money manager. Well, Hutton suggests put professional institutional money managers inside of the ability for uh, financial advisors to offer those uh, professionals who were managing, you know, billions of dollars at the time for uh, the public. So it was it was a great thing that Hutton started, and of course everyone followed suit. When I was in, uh, I remember you know talking to investors, and they'd say, "Well, what should I buy?" And I'd say, "Well, I don't know. I think you should buy this uh, bond or this stock or whatever." Well, I'm getting eighteen point five percent in my money market. Can you beat that? Well, and that's how high it was. I think, Mitch, we can point out to the audience, again, our audience is, is very intelligent audience, but, uh, you know, putting in perspective, you know, 25, 30, 35 years back, I mean, the interest rates were in the double digits. So, you know, when somebody was bragging about getting, you know, 14, 15%, you know, coupon on, uh, on a fixed uh, income uh, investment being the bond, you know, corporate bond is a junk bond, then obviously viewed in perspective of the inflation the country has been having at that time, it was not such a spectacular return, right? We can all agree on that. Right. And I think our challenge, you know, is to put the investor in, fr in front of the curve, not behind the curve. So, you know, at some point in time, interest rates will go back up. Uh, we will have to deal with that and we'll have to find investments that outperform, uh, you know, those kinds of uh, situations. So it's challenging times. But one of the things I do want to say about today and, and the COVID situation is, you know, money never sleeps. Transactions are still going on. Businesses are still making money. Uh, it's not like a standstill out there in the financial services arena. So it's a challenge because of 
not being able to meet face to face with clients as much or, or at all in some cases, but um, it doesn't mean that we can't be very diligent in our communications and our transparency and our ability to reach out to our clients. Right. Uh, I find it fascinating, Mitch, and again, I've known you for, you know, a few years by now, uh, you know, that, that, that you are so intimately familiar with multitude of different industries. I would like you to talk to the audience about different lines of industries that you've been able to learn about and, and work within, uh, you know, being in real estate uh, or, or whatever, you know, just talk along those lines, please, and share your experience and the knowledge uh, on those type of subjects. Okay, well, let's start with um, home building. Home building is hitting records right now. Uh, and that, the, one of the reasons why is because the surveys are out there that just with the normal growth of our population and people moving out of their folks' homes, uh, we'll be short about 3.5 million housing units by uh, 2033. 3.5 million uh, need to get built. Those are so very compelling numbers, yeah. That's a very high number. Now, a lot of those will be apartments, multifamily, but still, uh, so home building is something that's going to, I think, continue. I mean, you can talk about um, all kinds of situations with COVID, but you know, we need to live somewhere. We need to have- There is no doubt, yeah. there is no doubt. Basic things. Now, the other area is energy. And, you know, if you look at the oil and gas business and you hear from many people, well, we're gonna go to green energy and so on and so forth, uh, that might be all true, but right now, uh, these drillers, operators, whatever, are willing to work for a third and sometimes one half of what they were charging just, you know, a year and a half ago or two years ago. And, so, the, reason, and the reason for that, Mitch? Well, the reason for that is uh, prices have gone down to the point where you would think it would be the opposite uh, because right. they're making less money at the wellhead. Right. They would have to raise their operating price. Just the same business. Yeah. But it doesn't work that way. They'd rather have be able to get some income and put some food on the table and work for cheaper uh, just to stay in business. So that's really what's happening at the wellhead or what we call um you know, the operating level of the oil and gas business. Now, there were a lot of wildcatters, a lot of independent people. Most of those people have left uh, the risky plays, uh, the plays uh, that cost more money. It's about $65 a barrel to really manufacture what they call shale oil. Shale oil is what's up in the Balkan in Montana and North Dakota and parts of South Dakota, Colorado, uh, those, those fields up there. So you're not going to see those kind of operators. You're going to see people going back to Texas and some of the people going in the Marcellus 
But, you know, if for some reason they end fracking, uh, all bets are off. I can tell you that fracking is so commonplace right now. If you were to uh, ban fracking permanently in the United States, you'd see $70, $80 oil uh, almost immediately. It would be devastating for the economy, there is no doubt. So let's just hope and pray that uh, we do keep that legislation in place um, and that industry that allowed actually the United States the first time you know, ever to go energy independent, you know, will keep pursuing, you know, and Americans can enjoy a lower cost of uh, gasoline and uh, creation of, uh, you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of new jobs along those lines. Yes, and remember, fracking helps with natural gas production too, not just oil. So if you're producing more natural gas for electricity mainly, then basically you are cleaning up the environment. So the more natural gas you burn versus oil, uh, you're cleaning up the environment. It is such a great point, Mitch, and I do appreciate your making it uh, because some of the people may, some of the people may not be familiar with the fact that natural gas comes hand in hand with oil. So whenever, you know, somebody discovers, you know, some, uh, some deposits of oil, then obviously natural gas is gonna come along. And, and uh, sometimes, or a lot of times, actually the deposits of natural gas would exceed or substantially exceed those uh, of oil. So as you said, hey, you know, it does promote the cleaner environment when we do have those developments, either through shale oiling or fracking. Uh, so ultimately everybody benefits. Yeah, and you know, 30, 40 years ago when we were uh, not using as much natural gas, they were flaring off the natural gas, meaning they were burning it to get rid of it and just-, just wasting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wasting it, yeah. That's Some of my clients, uh, you know, of many years, that, that that's the line of business they've been in and they shared with me, you know, exactly what has been going on. So it's a great point you're making. Uh, besides, uh, you know, construction that you touched upon, oil and gas, what other industries would you say are of interest to you where you've been expanding your own expertise? Uh, I know AI, uh, you know, is one of them, definitely FinTech. Uh, as a matter of fact, I mentioned, I guess, at the introduction that you, Mitch, you're the CEO of, uh, uh, of the company, uh, which uh, provides just that, you know, they provide a uh, financial technology advice and expertise to the companies uh, in the financial services. Uh, so please talk about that. I both. Yes, we, we came up with an app for your smartphone where one of the issues we saw over the years, and they basically haven't changed this in 70 years, mm -hmm. are the printed customer statements that come out either monthly if the account is active or quarterly some of the developments that happened uh, were that now that the computer and even smartphones can take screenshots of statements. So that information has become more transparent. But if you're not plugged into a situation like that, you're waiting for your monthly statement and you're maybe talking to your advisor once a month or once every quarter or whatever, uh, you can be a bit in the dark. So what we wanted to have was real time uh, transparency between what their investments were doing. So we logged in LinkedIn to the custodians and we're going to also link into 
what's called the aggregators or some of the people who um, actually combine custodial accounts. And uh, we're gonna be able to allow people, well, it, it, it's already working, but uh, you can talk to your phone and it'll answer you back verbally. So if you say, what's the balance in my individual retirement account? And you talk to your phone, it will uh, say it is, you know, $10,000 or $100,000 or whatever it is. And then you can even get a screenshot of it as well. Um, if you ask it questions about buying investments, then that is all those questions are deferred back to the financial advisor. So if you use the word acquire, should I buy, acquire, sell, get rid of whatever term, the, um, our, our device in, in kind of semi-artificial intelligence uh, will say, eyeballs does not give financial advice please contact your financial advisor, Gene Tenisenko. So it, it's been a big uh, breakthrough. Uh, no one has come up with this technology before and, and developed it as far as we have. Uh, there are some companies, I had had some discussions with um, uh, Microsoft. And in fact, I had a sit down with the inventor of Watson which is the foremost artificial intelligence entity in the world. They do artificial intelligence today for the United Nations. And Neil uh, Sahoda is his name. And uh, he told me that he said that it's coming. Artificial intelligence will be here and you'll be able to do a lot with it. You'll be able to get answers and so on and so forth. We're taking a little different approach. We want to keep the human element uh, involved all the time because we think that that's more important than yeah. turning this over to a pure AI situation. Well, it's fascinating though, Mitch, how in your case with eyeballs, you know, you have been able to really offer an incredibly important, in my opinion, not just in my opinion, but I, I've been speaking with many people in the industry you know, an instrument where you're gonna be able to facilitate lives of so many people involved in the process. And again, it's fascinating to see how over years and decades from, you know, the clients waiting for the physical mail-in statements to, you know, getting the statements faxed to them or lately through encrypted email delivered to them. If for some reason they have not received the statement on time or they happen to be traveling or the statement has been misplaced, you know, by USPS, whatever the case may be, and especially anyone pretty much in the industry can attest to the fact that whenever it's a tax time, you know, uh, kind of deadline of uh, tax filing, the people, a lot of times they're looking for those statements to take to their CPAs and tax uh, advisors and the statements are not there. So by utilizing this kind of te technology, I guess, it will be so much more convenient for them and easier to access any kind of pertinent information that they need to present for, you know, filing taxes and just to get whatever kind of legal and tax advice uh, whenever it's needed without waiting for the physical statement to arrive in the mail. The the uh, phone app looks like this. Right. See that? Yes, I can see it very clearly, yeah, yeah. And then where you get the talking part 
is where it says ask eyeballs. So you push on that and then um, you can say, what is my net cash balance? Yeah. Oop. What is my net cash balance? What is my net cash balance? Your net cash balance is $12,354. That's fascinating, yeah. That's fascinating. Contact advisor and speak about potential, you know, investment opportunities for that cash, which is generating next to zero as of today's rate. <laughs> right. So that's good for the advisor. You know, he gets an opportunity, he or she gets an opportunity to discuss maybe a, a, a new venture, or it's just very comforting knowing hey, this is where I'm at today. And I know right away, because this, this will be updated every 24 hours. So the, the clearing firms, the custodians have the ability now to uh, update this. And so it would be um, your statement, your statement being updated, like I said, right. on, every 24 hours. It's definitely comforting to, to the clients, to the investors, uh, you know, a lot more people are on the move nowadays, not always can they plug into, you know, their PC or even laptops. So, you know, being stuck in traffic, waiting at the, at the airport, you know, between the flights, uh, you know, it's easier uh, and faster and so much more convenient to just pull it up on, on, on your phone, on your iPad and, and log in and, and just get whatever information that you're looking for on the go. So definitely I feel a, good, very good value to both, you know, people in the industry and investors and the clients, account holders. Yes, there was um, a survey done a few years back and um, then they used some empirical data to back it up. They said that the average investor spends more time planning a vacation than they do talking about their retirement investments. So that's, now you can do both. You can be on vacation and get your answers to your and get retirement. Your retirement and non-retirement portfolio. So you can be lying on the beach and talk to your phone. You don't have to take your computer down there and uh, you know where you're at. So we thought that was significant. And I would say that uh, going through the insanity that we as a country and the whole world pretty much has been going through over the last, you know, seven, uh, eight months now, you know, meaning coronavirus, you know, COVID-19, China virus, you know, all of the above with the lockdowns, you know, uh, you know, the crime on the rise, unfortunately, in multitude of other places throughout the country. So a lot of people, they're just not traveling. I have some clients, they're not even coming to the city from, you know, from the suburbs, you know, because of the crime race. Uh, and other issue, you know. So I think that having those kind of uh, instruments at their fingertips would just give them so much more comfort level. And, uh, you know, it would be just an extremely convenient application to use uh, on an ongoing basis. Uh, so true. So let's switch gears, Mitch. Uh, again, the industry is, uh, is going through a lot of transformation. It's very dynamic. Uh, and we're seeing, you know, things which are happening economically where, you know, a lot of business owners have been impacted by uh, by this COVID-19, you know, I personally have, uh, you know, a few clients who had to shut down their businesses after many years, sometimes after more than one generation in business. 
And obviously, you know, what's your take? Uh, fortunately, again, millions and millions of jobs that have been recreated due to the economic policy of Donald Trump. Uh, what, in your opinion, are the dynamics that we can expect going forward, at least in the next, uh, you know, few months? Well, I think that once the cloud was invented, you know, basically the information that you could receive as a consumer, a buyer, a investor, whatever, is just magnanimous. So, you know, anybody can get up in the cloud now and, and post something somewhere on social media or wherever, YouTube. And, and, you know, I think that that's good in some ways and bad in some ways because there's no filter. The other thing that is kind of interesting about all this is our news media is not just telling us the news, what we need to know. Obviously, you can go to the weatherman and find out the weather. You can go to the sports and find out the sports. But a lot of the news has shifted to tell us how to think and, and what our attitude should be. And that shouldn't be the place of the national news, not the way that telling us the way that we should think or telling us or giving us guilt, you know, and these social dilemmas that are popping up, uh, racism is rampant or violence is good, you know, uh, protesting along with rioting is effective. Uh, it's just not effective. In fact, uh, rioting uh, will cause a boomerang effect. It will cause resentment of the cause. So if you're really true to a cause, uh, don't do it with violence, don't do it with uh, mayhem and disruption, but do it with some cerebral thinking and strategy, you know, where you're gonna make um, uh, a, a good change, you know, um, I saw something the other day about college football that it just blew me away where a professor said, you know, America needs college football. Then he turned around and said, no, no, it doesn't need college football because it's taking advantage of men. And of course, uh, it, it turned racist when he said black men, but men are getting hurt for my enjoyment. Well, that's not true. I played a lot of football and my dad was a professional. Oh, you did. Player. You actually grew up in the stadium, traveling the country with yeah. your dad, yeah. And my brother played college, but we we don't play for the enjoyment of other men. We play because we for are- For your own enjoyment because you love the game. Yeah, we love know. the game. And and in, in a lot of cases, if you're good enough, you benefit from the financial uh, features of the game. Uh, I don't care if you don't make it in the pros, but gosh, if you get a scholarship. Getting the scholarship covered at the great school, look, I mean, $70,000 a year at USC now. So, you know, you get, you, that's real money. Uh, where are you going to come up with $70,000 if you're from uh, a middle-class family? You it's know, an awful lot they, of money, yeah. Many don't even make seventy thousand uh, dollars total in the whole household. So a lot of American families, Mitch, you and I, we've been in the industry for for years, for decades now, 
And we, we both know that while we have some very successful, you know, families and folks out there who accumulated millions or tens of millions of dollars in their retirement portfolios, you know, there is plenty of families that don't have more than, you know, 40, 50, $60,000 in their retirement accounts because of different things they had to deal with throughout their life, you know, raising kids, you know, paying for their parents, uh, you know, medical care and whatever else comes in between. So, you know, getting the scholarship, as you pointed, by, by just playing college and really doing the fun stuff that you have been dreaming about pretty much all your life up until then, uh, it, it's just a great opportunity for many, many good Americans to, to exercise. And I think that uh, in the long run, uh, the media is, is dumbing down achievement. Um, they're, they're almost suppressing it, like it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter because it matters to you as the individual. That's where you get part of your soul from. Uh, and then, you know, you should transition into helping others once you feel like you've been able to establish a base. To be a constant volunteer and a constant giver, it's great. I've been there, but it can be very draining. You need balance. You need to balance out uh, for yourself, for the people around you. Then when you want to be, you know, more charitable and, and give and, and use philanthropy, uh, that's great. But don't do it at the expense of your own uh, mental health, really. Uh, but I think that on, on the media, back on the media, I don't, you know, I, it's, it's basically malpractice today. Uh, and in some cases, it's propaganda. Other cases, it's just not safe. It's it's making us um, sick and giving us an attitude where uh, we become defeatist. So we need to hold some of these people accountable. I'm kind of wondering why journalists who work for a newspaper or a television station or whatever why they don't have to have a license or pass a test. Like so we they could be held accountable because what they do is, uh, in a lot of cases, in my opinion, and again, millions of Americans, they will agree with me, and you expand on that point uh, very extensively in your book, Mitch, uh, you know, it, it, it's a 100% proof in malpractice where the facts are not just being twisted, but lies uh, deliberately being fed to the American public, and, uh, and, and unfortunately, it goes unpunished. You know, those people, as professionals, they need to be held accountable. And I can't, I can't leave your show without saying one thing. You know, the media took, I know because I was very well versed in the Russian history and, and the Soviet Union, and it hasn't changed all that much. And I've studied Vladimir Putin, and I can tell you, Anybody who ever thought that Putin would want Trump to be the president just doesn't understand anything about our two countries. Because everything. Yeah, the whole platform of that statement is absolutely obscene. And I would like you to expand on why it is absolutely not true. Well, we started off talking about uh, oil and gas a little bit. That's their number one commodity. If they don't have higher prices, that dead in the water. They're in big trouble. Well, what did Trump say his whole campaign speeches? Energy I'm not talking about after he was president. I'm talking about before. 
I'm going to drill, baby, drill. I want to drill on government lands. I want to bring back fracking. I want to do everything I can to help producers produce more oil. Well, producing more oil and gas means yep. that prices go down and we are energy independent. The second thing... The second thing he said, which would have made Putin shudder in his boots, is, oh, I'm going to build up the military. Well, that costs money, a lot of money. Russia doesn't have that kind of money. So that's what Ronald Reagan did to Russia. That's what how Ronald Reagan uh, pretty much dissected Ross, the Soviet Ross, Union. The Soviet Union, absolutely. They had to pull out from a They couldn't hold together that empire and keep up militarily. Yep. So now we have Trump saying, hey, here's a trillion dollars that I want to do. So that would be the second. Well, both first and second are kind of tied. But the third, and a lot of people didn't focus on this as much, is building the wall. So they think, well, building the wall is racist because we're keeping people out. Well, well let Mexico me tell you, has the wall, the huge wall. The, the huge wall along the southern border. And that should speak yeah. volumes to those naysayers of why we cannot have or should not have the wall on the southern border of the U.S. along the, Mexi uh, along the Mexi uh, Mexican but state. What, what Putin knows is the Department of Homeland Security has a larger budget than the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, and, and a reconnaissance office, which is all your spy satellites, together. So when you that's have a, a fascinating, port wall, that's a fascinating wall. fact that I'm sure most of the people are absolutely clueless about. Well, you know, they can look it up. There's Jane's defense book. There's yeah. books you can look up and see it's what we're well spending. documented. Yes, you can see what we're spending on certain government budgets, government accounting office. Yep. But so when when that wall is more porous, it costs so much money to track a terrorism group that comes across or a cell much more money than it would to be to build uh, 10 miles of wall or, or whatever. So Putin knew that Putin knew that Hillary wanted to take, didn't want to have a wall at all and bring in 765,000 Syrians from day one, which would have been laced with, uh, well, Al-Qaeda, uh, at a minimum, ISIS, uh, and everybody else. So right. Right. Uh, those were three biggies. Uh, the fourth, of course, is trade. When he heard that uh, Trump was going to make uh, new trade deals, that would also hurt Russia very much, too. Absolutely, Mitch. And those things that you just pointed out as far as the Trump, you know, Putin, um, you know, facts, uh, I mean, they're very extensively covered in your previous book uh, that I hope our audience will also look up as far as the media malpractice. Uh, this is what it looks like. You know, I'm a happy and proud owner. It's a fascinating, fascinating book. I feel very strongly that any American who cares about today and more importantly about the future of this great country, they should definitely get it and read it very, very thoroughly and hopefully uh, have their kids, uh, you know, read it as well. Uh, I just wish it was a mandatory kind of reading in our schools as opposed to a lot of uh, communist uh, slash socialist propaganda that has been polluting minds of, you know, millions of students across the nation uh, over the last, you know, quite a few years. 
And I'm proud to say that I have a foreword from Gene Panasenko in the book. And that's why you really need to pick this copy up. It's, it's been truly an honor. I, I was very, very, very surprised, to say the least, Mitch, when you got in touch with me offering this incredible opportunity because, again, I know you have thousands and tens of thousands of very qualified folks out there to write the same thing. But again, it was my honor, my privilege. And I do appreciate your getting on the, on the show today. I know your, your schedule is ultra packed, you know, with multitude of different meetings and events and travels. Uh, so again, thank you very much for coming and sharing your insight and expertise. All right. I do hope that we're going to be able to get you on the show, you know, sometime down the line, as well as a follow-up as a sequel. All right. Yes. Thank you so much, Gene. Yes, thank you very much. Stay well. And I do hope to see you next time when you're visiting New York. All right. You can count on it. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. Stay well. God bless. Bye-bye.